So let's turn to the Bible. It's Daniel chapter 11, verse 21 to 35. Daniel 11, verse 21 to 35. Daniel chapter 11, verse 21 to 35. So shall we pray before we read? the word of God. Father, we thank you for giving us your word. We also thank you for teaching us from your word. We therefore come humbly before you to listen to your voice and also submit ourselves to your hand. We pray that you open our eyes, ears, and even our heart that the good seed will be sowed and also bear good fruit in us. We especially pray as we are faced with challenges. We pray that you show us that you have planned for our future, that we might faithfully continue to work with you and also seek for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 11, verse 21 to 35. So let me read out from verse 21 to 35. And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably, even into the richest, richest places of the province. And he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches. And he shall devise his plans against the stronghold, but only for time. He shall stop his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes. Those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. Both this king's heart shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table. But it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time while returning to his land with great riches. His heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land. At the appointed time, he shall return and go toward the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter, for ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. 
So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploit. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Amen. So you might notice that this phrase, the appointed time, has been uh, repeated in this passage. So my title is At the Appointed Time. So uh, about Daniel chapter 11 in general, um, it is prophecy from Darius, the Mede, to the time of the end. So Daniel began to pray uh, for Jewish people were captured in Babylon to be released from Babylon, but God showed him the vision even to the end of the world. And we know that this vision about end of the world has not been fulfilled. But that's how uh, Daniel uh, had vision for, so, so still um, 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 there is fulfillment awaiting for the end of this vision. And it is a story mainly about Gentile rulers, but impacting Jewish people. So Bible sometimes skip the general history of Gentile rulers and focus when they impact upon Jewish people. And as we said before, from verse 1 to 4, it referred to Persia and Greece, Greece and from verse 5 to 20, uh, it is referred to words of Ptolemy and Seleucus. And now 21 to 35, it refers to Antiochus Epiphanes and also Maccabees. And it doesn't stop there. It moves on to uh, last Gentile ruler who will be in power when Jesus comes back from verse 36 to 45. And if you just go further, uh, uh, chapter 12 is kind of like additional revelation. And it concerns about the last 1,335 days leading up to the rapture, the great tribulation, the second coming of Jesus, and the millennial kingdom. And if you read Daniel uh, from the beginning to the end, uh, Daniel sometimes said uh, he was dazzled. Uh, because he simply saw the vision from the present time when he lived to the end of the world. So it must be quite something uh, 
but that's how Daniel saw the vision from the Lord. And as I said before, no other portion of scripture presents more precise prophecy than chapter 11, verse 1 to 35. So it's just exact description uh, uh, of the event which would happen after this prophecy, and it's, it's too precise that people, uh, liberal theologians, they began to doubt and um, just uh, try to uh, like mock Daniel as forgery. But we do know that it was written um, BC 6, and it prophesied of the future exactly. And Antiochus Epiphanes, which, uh, who we are going to focus on uh, from verse 21 to 35, he is given more space than any other ruler because of the relevance of his activities to the people of Israel and the similarity between his actions and the future Antichrist. I spoke to my friend uh, some of times concerning uh, Jewish people and some people argue that uh, at the end of the day it is about Christians, not Jewish people. But I can't believe how they argue from the Bible, the same Bible we read, is full of story of us about his people, Jewish people, and we simply can't miss them. And as you see from this part as well, that uh, main focus is on people of Israel. And it was Daniel chapter 11's accurate prophecy that prompted the pagan philosopher Porphyry, 3rd century AD, he was born, to attack the book of Daniel as a forgery. And he took the position that Daniel was written after event occurred, because we can also see that it was too precise. So he began to claim that, yeah, it was prophesied after the event, which doesn't make sense, but that's what he argued for. And, and he argued that it was written in second century BC, but it, however, was written in BC 6. So we'll see from the beginning to the end of this verse 20 to 21 to 35. So verse 21, it says, And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. So Daniel didn't give the name of this vile person because at the end of the day, it's vision, but he saw the vision, and according to vision, there was uh, there would be a vile person. And this Syrian ruler who was a vile person, uh, he was on the throne from BC 175 to BC 164, 
and previously referred to as the little horn, according to chapter 8 of Daniel, verse 9 to 14 and 23 to 24. And we know that his name is Antiochus IV. And he reigned in the day of the decline of the Syrian power and the rise of Rome in the West. So it's a good time for this Syrian empire. And the reason for the prominence of Antiochus IV Epiphanes were his desecration of the Jewish temple and altar and his persecution of the Jewish people. So Bible skip over like just general historists and stop and give us detail when they either attack on Israel or, or just deal peaceably with his people. And Gentile dominion is primarily viewed in terms of its impact on the Jewish nation and in comparison to his predecessor, Seleucus, uh, I think it's uh, fourth, Philopata, uh, Antiochus was described as a vile, despicable person, according to uh, verse 21. However, he gave himself the name Epiphanes, which means glorious, so he called himself glorious, um, Antiochus. Um, in accordance with his desire to be worshipped as a god. Um, it's very interesting to see the human nature. If just God leave us as we are, we are likely to exalt ourselves, not God, and even uh, to the status of God. And that's what people did in the past, especially this guy Antiochus IV. And, um, but the description, however, here of a vile person is God's perspective on him as a result of his immoral lifestyle, hatred, and persecution of God's people. And his life was characterized by intrigue, expediency, and lust for power in which honor was always secondary. So he's kind of like worst empire, uh, emperor of Syrian empire. And if you see from verse 21 to 23, the expression to whom they will not give the honor of royalty refers to the fact that Antiochus seized the throne rather than obtaining it honorably. So, um, the former predecessor uh, to Antiochus IV, um, his name is Seleucus IV. He's got two sons, and one of them uh, was supposed to take over uh, as emperor, but he was the one who secretly stepped in and pretend to look after one of his youngest sons, uh, and then just took over uh, the throne. Uh, by trickery. So posing as the guardian of young Antiochus, so uh, this brother uh, who was predestined to Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, his name is also Antiochus. So he was 
like nephew of Antiochus IV, who was in Syria. Antiochus IV proceeded to Antioch, where by various intrigues, he secured the throne. And meanwhile, young Antiochus, the son of uh, his brother, who was predecessor, was murdered by Andronicus, according to history, whom Antiochus IV then put to death, although it is possible that Antiochus IV himself had laid the whole plot. So he even killed the nephew who was supposed to be a king after his uh, brother or father. So the prophecy does not attempt to be specific but described in general how armies on various occasions were destroyed. The reference to the prince of the covenant, if you see uh, verse 22, the prince of the covenant prophesied the deposing and eventual murder of the high priest Onias. So he even killed high priest at the time, which was ordered by Antiochus in BC 172. And Antiochus sold the office of high priest to Onias' brother, whose name is Jason, who sought to Hellenize the Jewish state. So another problem you can see from here is internal corruption, conflict, and division. So if you have like internal problems as well as external attack, it is likely that you lose the game. And that's what happened at this time. And verse 24 to 26, we'll look through. Verse 24 says, you shall enter peaceably even into the richest places of the province. And he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches. And he shall devise his plans against the stronghold, but only for time. He shall stop his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of these delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. So um, I think the worst thing with evil people, if you are evil, diligent, clever, it makes things worse. <laughs> but some of them did, like Hitler. Though he was evil, he was very clever, he was very diligent. And, and it's worse news for everyone. I'm not sure whether he was diligent, this Antiochus Epiphanes, but we can clearly see that he was very clever. And he knew how to take over the power and exercise it. So it says that he attacked his enemies peaceably in a time of security of peace when the enemy did not expect him. So the way which he took over um, the throne, he, he attacked on the enemy when 
um, they did not expect him. But unlike his father, Antiochus IV did not use his wealth acquired in this manner for personal gain, but rather to buy favor with others and secure their cooperation. So they, um, he began to obtain some wealth, but he decided to share, uh, pretending that he's generous uh, with other people. So he was cunning, and he knew how to persuade other people for their cooperation. Sounds quite familiar, <laughs> because we are living in similar world. The king of Egypt, so it says the king of the south, means the king of Egypt, began to be defeated after internal obtaining throne and expand to other nations, including this king of the south, which means king of the Egypt. And even those who should have supported this king of Egypt conspired against him, as stated in verse 26. So overall, Antiochus won over the Egyptians. So you have to bear in mind, north part is either um, Syria or Babylonia, and south part it is Egypt. So they are two big empires playing around every time with Israel, and um, they are written when they are concerned about his people. And verse 27 to 28, it says, Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper. For the end will still be at the appointed time. While returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land. So these two kings, when it says in verse 27, they are the kings in Syria and Egypt. So they fought each other, but they also tried to reach to some kind of like um, negotiation. But according to verse 27, it failed. So the struggle between Syria and Egypt led to various agreements that did not prosper. Neither the rulers of Egypt nor Syria were honorable in their agreement. But important phrase here in verse 27 is at the appointed time. This confusing, this difficult, this challenging time, God is still in control. And it is God who does his will, though uh, with full of human sins. And I think it's kind of like commentary made by Daniel when he wrote down this book of chapter 11. Because he can clearly see, though um, uh, there, there, are, there is full of sins, cunning, like trickery, <laughs> every sort of like um, things hard to bear, God um, showed Daniel that it is um, the God's will will be done. So that's why he just repeats saying, at the appointed time, even in this one of darkest 
age of human beings. So Antiochus, in a way, was fulfilling prophecy on God's timetable, though. So returning from Egypt with great riches, he began to manifest his hatred against the people of Israel and his covetousness in relation to the wealth of the temple. So this is indicated in the statement, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant. And they simply can't hide their hatred against God and also his people. And they also covetousness of the wealth of the temple is nothing. So that's how he began to show uh, his nature here. And verse 29 to 31, it says, At the appointed time, he shall return and go toward the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant and forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Like I said before, the reason why um, Daniel gave us this detailed description of this um, Antiochus Epiphanes <coughs> was he was very similar to Antichrist will um, come uh, before the second coming of Jesus. And after this part, Daniel indeed described um, how Antichrist will be like in the future. So Antiochus' final expedition against Egypt, as it says in verse 29, at the appointed time, that is, by God, was less successful than previous expeditions. So the invasion came to an hold when Antiochus was met near Alexandria by Roman consul Gaius Popilius Lenas, who ordered Antiochus to leave Egypt or face an attack from Rome. And he was humiliated by this consul of Rome According to Polybius, who was the Greek historian, he reports that the Roman consul drew a circle around the king and told him that he needed to make a decision before stepping out of it. <clears throat> so he just drew a line <laughs> around this um, Antiochus Epiphanes and said, uh, before you get out of it, you have to make decision whether you want to have a war with Rome or gave up Egypt to the Rome. And rather than risk a war with Rome, Antiochus, although greatly displeased, withdrew from Egypt immediately and passed Egypt to Roman power. So, Prophetically, this is indicated in verse 30 by the statement, for ships from Cyprus shall come against him, usually taken as a symbolic representation of Roman power that came from the west 
Tasketim, the island of Cyprus, which was to the west of his kingdom. The location of Cyprus was very interesting. It's exactly between this um, uh, Middle Eastern like empire and the west. So uh, if you visit, like I never visit, I really hope, <laughs> uh, the land of Cyprus, you can see many evidence what's going on between these two big regions. And even uh, people argue that, you know, Venus or Aphrodite, he came from um, um, one of goddess um, in the Middle East. They can see the evidence uh, when they visit this uh, island of Cyprus. So when they say, uh, the four ships from Cyprus shall come against him, it means that attack from Rome um, is on the way. Anyway, um, annoyed by his defeat in Egypt at the hand of Rome, Antiochus Epiphanes seems to have expressed his wrath upon the Jewish people. Have you ever met any person who, who had like um, roused uh, from other sources but decided to pour to other people? And we do have this kind of experience. And I think it is one of source of sins. So um, people vent one's anger on other people or take anger out on some other people always. And we do know these uh, uh, people who got this anger uh, from uh, people they got hurt, and they got wounded, and, and is quite um, harmful to everyone. An additional statement, he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant, indicate Antiochus' affiliation with those who sided with him. So there are always internal enemies as well as external ones. Sometimes find even in the church, people seem to believe that our brothers and sisters are enemies. <laughs> and they really fight hard to win. But at the end of the day, we are the same team. Uh, we are brothers and sisters. Our enemies are outside. And we have to be united, help each other, serve each other love each other and build up each other. But as you see uh, from this prophecy and also history, um, there are some people who affiliated with Antiochus when he attacked on Israel. So this Antiochus affiliation with those who sided with him, who became his favorite and also pupils, and we call them the enemy from inside. So in the process of his opposition to the Jews, Antiochus polluted the holy altar in the temple by offering a sow, female pig, upon the altar and forbidding the continuance of the daily sacrifices. He also ordered that the Jews 
should stop worshiping and build an idol in the holy place, probably the image of Zeus Olympus. If you study about the Judaism, the temple is heart of Judaism. So without temple, you simply can't explain anything um, concerning uh, the Judaism. But this guy, this evil king, he even polluted the holy altar uh, by offering a female pig upon the altar and forbid the continuance of the daily sacrifice and even built the image of Zeus in the temple. And this represents placing the abomination of desolation. According to verse 31, we know this phrase quite a bit. <laughs> we heard from Tony or other speakers here. So Daniel chapter 8, verse 23 to 25 contains a parallel prophecy that describes the same sequence of events. I think, um, in a way, God repeats the history for us. So as God repeats history, he uh, teaches us what will happen in the future that anyone can understand. So as you see, we can see like example of Antichrist in the past, and then he did exactly similar uh, when Antichrist will come. So he just mocked like Jewish people and also ruined uh, like the symbol of Judaism and just uh, bring himself as the idol uh, for Jewish people. So this defilement of the temple in opposition to the Jewish faith sparked the Maccabean revolt. You have to know about Maccabean people, which was brutally suppressed by Antiochus, though they managed to take over and reign over Israel for 100 years, but they had to pay the price. So this Antiochus managed to kill tens of thousands of Israelites. The entire series of incidents, however, including the persecution of Israel, the desecration of their temple, and the stopping of the daily sacrifice, as well as cunning character of the host and the internal division, although fulfilled historically in Antiochus' persecution of Israel, is also prophetic of the future persecution of Israel that will result during the Great Tribulation. We are on the way, and you can see the evidence, even um, the news uh, either today or coming days. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, where Christ Jesus described the beginning of this tribulation, he linked the still future event to the desecration of the temple, indicating it is similar in kind to the past this desecration of Antiochus. So when Jesus prophesied of Antichrist, according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, he points out similar incident happening in the past uh, with this Antiochus Epiphanes. So people could easily understand 
when Jesus prophesied on um, Antichrist in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. So Antiochus thus became a type of the future man of sin, and his actions foreshadow the final blasphemous persecution of Israel and the desecration of the temple. Interesting bit is verse 22 to 35. So let me just read out. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploit. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. So continual opposition of Antiochus to the Jewish faith is prophesied in verse 32, indicating how he would attempt to corrupt them. But the Jews' strong reaction is shown in the expression, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploit. And it is prophesied of the revolt of Maccabees, and Jewish people will also stand firm uh, when Antichrist try to rule over them as well. So the resulting conflict, however, caused significant harm to the people of Israel, and while it eventually resulted in a spiritual revival, many people died, many Jewish people died. So some Jews submitted to the king's flattery and supported Antiochus against their fellow Jews, but most of Jewish people stood firm and, and tried to uh, fight against this evil king. So it was time of purging and separating the truth from the first. And in verse 35, it says the purging process is described as continuing until the time of the end. So this is a very important phrase, until the time of the end. So according to this phrase, the Daniel tried to connect between Antiochus Epiphanes and the Antichrist from uh, verse 36. So the persecutions of Antiochus were clearly not the beginning of the end, even if they foreshadow it. The phrase, the end, on the other hand, serves as a transition. So from verse 36 on, the prophecy jumps ahead centuries to predict event in the last generation before God's judgment of Gentile power and its rulers, a prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. And I believe this time of purging, this time of 
sanctify um, continue according to this verse 35 I um, told you before but when we had Mitch Glazer from America he said maybe next time please choose other people and I believe if we are his people we have we have to be trained purged and also sanctified as Jewish people have been we've got Jewish believers here uh, if you go to Imperial Museum you can easily see how they are purified by many many difficulties even this war in Gaza after two or three weeks people began to accuse Jewish people even they knew what happened on 7th of October, which is unbelievable, but that's what they had to come up with. If you go out in gold screen, you are less likely to see orthodox visible because they either stay at home or hide their clothes now because they know that there is danger outside. And it repeats. Uh, according to Bible, I have to say it would be worse. But Bible says at the appointed time. It is kind of process of purging, sanctifying. But do you know what? We've got another problem, which is this God of Israel is our God. So same process should be applied to us. Whether you like or dislike, um, whether you just want to have easy life, God will purge us, sanctify us, purify us. And that's how God deals with us, and that's what the purpose of our salvation is. So we have to be humble, and we, we just come um, to kneel before him and ask for help that will be holy before Jesus comes back. Uh, we can learn from the history of Israel. So the amazingly detailed prophecies of Daniel chapter 11, verse 1 to 35 contain approximately 135 prophetic statements that have all now been fulfilled. I didn't count, but some clever people <laughs> take out. So it's 135, only in chapter 11. But they all um, have been fulfilled in the history. And you can check. And, and please do let me know if there's one which you believe it hasn't fulfilled. Uh, so these verses serve as an impressive introduction to the event that are yet future. It's very interesting that God could have just said that he's the one who created everything and um, we should believe in him, but he doesn't. He gave us this detailed prophecy and proved that every prophecy of the future which is past for us, have been fulfilled to show us that it is word of God and God is alive. And another thing is, we can have uh, 
hope for the future because as God faithfully fulfilled every promise he made, he will fulfill every promise for our future as well. So the fact is that there's no supported evidence that can contradict any statement made in these verses. The accuracy of this prophetic word provides additional evidence that prophecy that had yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled even priceless uh, in the future at the appointed time. So God is in control. Um, we have to say, yeah, it might be some difficult time or challenging time, but God knows his time. And God will fulfill every prophecy, even priestly, in the future at his appointed time. Um, to be honest, um, I began to lose hope. Um, either in politics or religions, human beings, of course. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm 51 now. But I began to lose. Um, and I simply can't find hope in anything. But we can have hope in God. Um, as he fulfilled every prophecy in the past, he will fulfill every prophecy in the future Priceless at the appointed time. So shall we have hope in God and continue with our faith? So shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for fulfilling every prophecy you made to simply show us that you are living God who is faithful and trustworthy that we can um, believe in you. We therefore commit our future to your hand. It might not be easy, but we know that you are the one who will sustain us and also give us brighter future prepared for us. We therefore pray as we depart and face our own challenges, you help us remember how faithful you are, that we might continue to commit ourselves and seek for your kingdom and also work of this faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.